Everything God from the book of Genesis this morning, reading out of the fourth chapter of Genesis, reading verses 1 through 16, the story of uh, Cain and Abel. And it has already been brought up in our New Testament reading we read in John. But let us go back and read here. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks. Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is couching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. 
So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word from here, the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis. My sermon this morning is entitled, Heartache and Jealousy. Now, we are all more than likely, before the reading again of chapter 4 from Genesis, we are somewhat familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. Somewhat. We know that Cain killed his brother Abel. So much for that. We know that part, and we'll get more to that in a little bit. But now, having just freshly heard it read aloud to you, it's a different story. It's a powerful story. It has a lot of questions in one's mind as you listen to how the story unfolds and what goes on in the story. And so it is several of those things that I would like to talk about today. First of all, it is the beginning of, how shall we say, perhaps the beginning of peoples and civilizations. We are told Adam and Eve have children, and from that arises these two brothers. And as you read through Genesis, more and more people are, are born and come into the course of existence, and there are many more stories. But particularly these two brothers, the oldest Cain, the next Abel, and each has a particular work. This Labor Day weekend, we talk of work. Cain tills the soil, which is what his father Adam did, because having been thrown out of the garden, God said, you will till the ground. And so Cain, like his father Adam, is a tiller of the ground, a farmer, if you will. But Abel, on the other hand, is not a tiller of the ground. He is a shepherd, if you will, a keeper of the flocks, be it sheep or goats, whatever it might have been, Abel has taken up animal husbandry as his means of living. Now, remember, as all of this is what we call the prehistory, this is before there were any great civilizations. This is before there was any Ten Commandments. This was before there was a people of God. And so there were no prescriptions for worship. There were no prescriptions for making offerings. There were no real rules and regulations except for the fact that they had been kicked out of Eden. And so whatever, and for whatever reasons that remain unclear, the brothers of Cain and Abel bring offerings to the Lord. Offerings from what they did for a living. One bringing sacrificed animals, the other bringing 
grain offerings from the field. Now, for whatever reason, and people and theologians and biblical scholars and just everyday readers of the Bible have long pondered, why in the world would God accept Abel's offering and not Cain's offering? And volumes, literally volumes, have been written about, well, it's all because Abel brought the sacrifice, the blood. He had to shed blood for his offering, whereas Cain just brought what he harvested from the field. No blood involved. But where do we see here in these early chapters of Genesis that blood is even required? We do not. But still, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Now, before we castigate the Lord, let us think about what is being said here. When we were in school, and for those of you in school, think about this. How many times did a teacher give a better grade to a paper or a test to one person than to you. Why? They looked more favorably on that. Now that is especially true in the literature and the history, you know. I always loved history. You know why? Because you learn some things, but more than that on the test, they would say, explain the effects of, let's say, the Civil War on the southern states in the United States. Well, you could write 10 pages on that and not even say anything. But just the volume of work would get you a decent grade. Whereas the calculus teacher gives you a page and says, answer these and provide the right derivative answers, and you would be sitting there scratching on your page and didn't even get close. What I'm saying is we are always making judgments about what things are worth and how much some things are better than other things. If you work for somebody, they may say, ah, oh, you didn't do such a good job on that. And such and such did a much better job on that. And it kind of gets our goat, so to speak. But let's face it, some things are done better. Some people are able to do certain things better than other people. But here, you know, couldn't God have just said, oh, that's, I like your offering too, Cain. In our day and time, that would have been the polite thing to have said, the good thing to have said. Oh, that was good, and I know you're going to try better next time. But that's not it. And the scripture is very clear. God looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. It was not acceptable. And so that brings back this question. 
Is God fair? And the answer to that is no. God doesn't have to be fair. God is God. God made it all. He made us. He made everything around us. God can do whatever God wants to do. And God can show favor on whom he wants to show favor. That is God's prerogative. And for us sometimes, that's just like, oh, that doesn't seem right. Now think about that. Think about that. Because when we say that doesn't seem right, what are we doing? We are passing judgment on God. Well, I don't think God got that right. How many times have we said something like that? Or disagreed with something? I don't think God got that right. And therein lies Cain's very thing. Well, it says here, Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. And then, you know, it says, Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. That's a, that's a nice translation, but it doesn't give the whole effect of it. In the... The language there says that Cain's face glowed red hot. And that he was looking down and you could see his face glow red hot. Now when you've been mad, when you've been angry about something, have you ever felt your face glow red hot? Just glow red hot. And people can say, what's wrong with you? Are you all right? And this is what it's described. Cain was mad, was mad at God, passing judgment on God. And in so doing, it says that he was downcast and the Lord noticed it immediately and said to him, hey, do better. And if you don't, sin is couching at your door and its desire is to have you, but you must master it. Remember, sin has just come in. Adam and Eve have been kicked out of the garden and now we are seeing that sin is transmitted from generation to generation and here it begins to spread and God can see it and he's telling Cain, you've got to master this passion that you have, this anger that is going up inside you. And I'm beginning to think that maybe at this point, Cain is one of these people who can fly off the handle, who gets angry easily. And God warns him. And then, for whatever reason, they go out to the field. Abel, let's go out to the field. Did Cain intend to kill his brother? I don't know. I don't know. I've seen brothers mad. I've been mad at my brothers over the course of time when we were growing up. 
Never in my mind did it think, I think that, oh, I'm going to go out and slay my brother. I'm going to get him in trouble. But this is what he was saying, you know, going out. And all of a sudden, it escalates. And before you know it, Abel is dead. Murder has occurred. Whether it's premeditated, whether it's manslaughter, is a question of our time. It is not of this time. But he's dead. And it is said that he murdered him. John, in his first letter, says that Cain murdered his brother. And it is very apparent here. And again, remember, there is no Ten Commandments at this point. And no one's ever murdered anyone at this point. No one's ever killed anyone. Maybe he didn't know that his brother could die. And that could be the case. I don't know. But it is there. It is there. Sin corrupts. Sin can lead to a multitude of terrible things. And we see it here. God, God knows. He comes. Where is your brother's able? Where is your brother able? He says to Cain. And then here is the rhetorical question. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? God says, your brother's blood is calling out to me from the ground. What have you done? Now that rhetorical question that Cain almost flippantly asked God is also one of those passages, one of those verses that continues to be expounded upon and talked about and studied. Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer to that is yes. Yes. Jesus would indicate it time and time again in his ministry of the gospel. But human beings are called to be in relationship with one another. And if we start in the family unit with brothers, sisters, mother, and father, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my sister's keeper? Am I my mother's keeper? Am I my father's keeper? Am I my child's keeper? The answer time and time again must be yes. You are. And sometimes it is most difficult to do and be that.
Sometimes others don't want to be kept. Sometimes we want to get rid of others, like Cain getting rid of Abel. But that is a whole series of sermons in itself. Am I my brother's keeper? So what's the penalty for killing someone else? There's no law. What's the penalty here? God says that Cain shall be cursed. That the land will not produce for him anymore. That he will be a wanderer on the earth. And Cain fears that anyone he comes across will kill him. But God doesn't let that happen. And the proverbial mark of Cain is put upon him, warning everyone who sees him not to kill him. Many have speculated that the mark of Cain was some type of tattoo on the head so that it was not easily covered or hid and that everyone who saw him would know, oh, he is under a curse and we cannot do anything to him. And in this, God doesn't kill Cain. Cain goes on to live and have children and there's a great tribe of people that come from the line of Cain that exist until the time of the flood. But in all of this, God shows a little bit of the grace, a foreshadowing of the grace that would come in Jesus Christ. The mark on him would protect him from being killed. And probably that's what he deserved. But God protected him from that. And though he is exiled into the land of Nod, the Nod land, no one knows exactly where it is, but it was believed to be the wild lands where there was no safe place. And so he went. So here in this fourth chapter, we have heartache that is brought on by jealousy. Jealousy brought on because God decided he preferred one offering to another. Anger brought on because of that jealousy. Action brought on because of the jealousy and the anger that led to death. And in the midst of all of this, God spares Cain. 
think of our own lives, the things that we have done, jealousies we have had, thoughts that we have had, actions that we have undertaken, evils that we have imagined or acted upon, would we not too be like Cain, exiled, marked, and the answer would be yes. Were it not for the fact that we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Were it not for the fact that we have been washed in the waters of baptism. Were it not in the fact that the most innocent of all, the one without sin, died on the cross that our sin might be atoned, paid for, substituted. Our lives would be full of heartache, full of jealousy, if we did not have Jesus in our lives. He is the one whom we put to death. But he is also the one who has delivered us from sin and death. The story of Cain and Abel is the story of human relationships gone very badly. It is the story of human interaction with God. It is a story in which we learn how bad sin can be. It is a story in which we see even at this, God can be gracious. It's a story that points to the need of Jesus Christ. So ask yourselves these questions. Get mad at God.
think you know better than God? Are you or are you not your brother's keeper? The answer to those questions will tell you what type of relationship you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who sent His Son to save us, to redeem us, to help us despite ourselves. Amen.